Well, it's uh, great to have you on Calm Radio. Thank you very much, Carl. Just first of all, uh, Penny, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are and, and where you're from. I'm a, a doctor in intensive care. I trained in Sydney and then did some work overseas in the United Kingdom and then over in a lot of developing countries as well. I worked um, in Myanmar, Vietnam, Fiji and throughout my training and then started working in Sydney, both at two of the tertiary hospitals there, doing adult intensive care and paediatric anaesthetics. And you ended up here in Alice Springs. Yeah. Tell us about that journey of coming to Central Australia. How, how did that come about? Well, it, like everything, it happens a little bit by accident. I was really lucky because when I was a medical registrar finishing off my ICU training, the opportunity to come to Alice Springs happened. And I came here and I realised that there was two Australias. And as an Australian, I, I felt that it was really it was important to actually recognise that and hope to do something about it. And I said at the time that I left that if they wanted to improve the intensive care and that they wanted Australian leadership in intensive care, I'd come back and help them. Luckily, I got a phone call about four years later and and that started the journey. So you're still working in intensive care? I am. I am. I have done for the last 15 years. Going into the actual medical field, how did that come about? I've always liked science and I've always liked the human side of science. And I became a doctor. I was inspired by my father, who was a doctor, and I met a lot of his patients. They were dialysis patients because he was a renal doctor. And I I saw how important uh, his work was to them because they'd come and give gifts to, to us as a family. And I thought, well, if you're going to do something using your science, what better than actually interacting with a huge group of people that you can play a small part in their lives. And you mentioned before that when you came here, you saw essentially like two different Australias. Mm. Can you elaborate a bit on that, what those differences were when you were coming here and those different challenges that Mm. you faced coming here and working here in Central Australia? I'd come from Sydney where resources were almost in oversupply for, for what you needed to do medically. It was very easy access to, to to look after any patients and there was a lot of doctors and there was a lot of um, clinical support. And I came to Central Australia where there were very few doctors, there were very few services and the next, next place that those services were available were 1,500 kilometres away. And in particular in ICU, which was the place I was working, uh, there actually wasn't a full-time intensive care doctors overlooking the intensive care, which was the case in, in Sydney. And there was no one that had the same training as the rest of Australia. It was mainly overseas doctors who were doing a very good job, but hadn't been um, tra- trained in the resources uh, that existed in Australia. And what's more, I saw the, the, the patients, this, uh, this amazing group of people who um, had a higher burden of disease than anywhere else that I'd ever seen in Australia and they were coping incredibly well with it. But it was still, they had a, a degree of disease that I was expect in a much younger age group and yet the services that we were providing to them were at that stage less than they would get if they were in the city hospitals. And I saw that there was a, a difference between what was available in the cities and what was available in more remote areas. 
had you worked before with a lot of Aboriginal people? No, no, I I'd never. Um, my my heritage is um, from New Zealand, and I'm a Maori, but I had never come across Aboriginal people or worked with Aboriginal people beforehand. And as an Australian, that was really important. That relationship and actually meeting Aboriginal people and realizing how generous Aboriginal people are and how they welcome us to their country, and what the effects of colonisation have been. Um, and you know, it's really important to stand beside them as they're welcoming us to their country to stand beside them to help them overcome some of the the negative effects of colonisation. And what are some of the things that you've learnt and observed over the years in terms of working with Aboriginal people? The first thing that I've learnt is how strong they are. They've got amazing strength in their physiology and their way that they respond to, to disease. Everyone is always amazed at how sick people can be, but also how well they respond to treatment. And that's a really positive thing. I've also recognised that they've got this amazing sense of humour and amazing way of seeing the world in a slightly different way. And my husband, who's um, Aranda, made me really see that there was a difference between the Western culture, which is always trying to change the way um, the country is to suit our needs, compared to the Aboriginal people who adapt to the country. And I think that ad- adaption to the country and seeing the country and seeing how it, what it really is gets you to really enjoy Australia in a completely different way. And, um, uh, and it's a really important gift that Aboriginal people can give to us. Now, unfortunately, we do see in some communities, you know, third world diseases still mm. existing. Yeah. How have you seen uh, the progression towards, you know, eradicating diseases amongst the mob and, and becoming, you know, healthier in that sense, but also, you know, growing that understanding about the importance of health and things like that? There is no doubt about it. There is still a, a big life expectancy gap and there is still too much disease in early adulthood in particular, diabetes and renal failure being uh, two of the biggest examples of, of those diseases. The other problem is poverty. The problem of infections and poverty, poor food choices because of um, expense and and the housing conditions where people have to live in overcrowded houses and often without the resources are drivers of the disease. There have been some really good things that have happened. Certainly the immunisation of children has been an enormous benefit and when I first came the children were a lot sicker because it was before the immunisation became quite so available. And that really has improved things. There's real efforts towards more primary school education and um, and now in the early childhood space, which is great. And most recently, the, the changes to the alcohol legislation has really dropped the presentations which are alcohol-related to the hospital, which has been great because it means that people aren't getting sick all the time and there's not so much grief associated with it. Obviously, these are as early stages with this alcohol legislation. We're keeping the data to see whether these changes will lead to long-term benefits, but it looks really promising at the moment. Now, as you mentioned, things like uh, poverty and things like that, you know, obviously that's a thing we have to attack on multiple mm. levels. Mm. 
But what role do you think communities play in terms of improving your health and getting those healthy messages out there? Well, I think it's pivotal. And and one of the things that has been a, a great joy is, is working with the Aboriginal liaison officers who are able to stand beside us in um, working with our Aboriginal patients and being able to get those messages and understanding out um, as to why people are getting sick and how you can stop yourself from getting sick and to really help negotiate that trust in the medical space. It's hopeless if we're giving treatments and they're not trusted because then people don't take them. Um, And building up that sort of understanding and trust um, has been pivotal in getting those relationships good. The other thing is that slowly the Aboriginal health workforce is growing, which is of enormous importance. Uh, We've now got five young doctors uh, from Alice Springs that are Aboriginal from Alice Springs being doctors in our hospital and hopefully that's the start of uh, a new wave of of our medical profession. There's also many more people taking part in Aboriginal health workforce and many of the elders have been incredibly important in taking the messages that we've stated or bringing to us the problems and discussing them so we can develop a greater understanding between us all so that the right messages are getting out to the community. And, and that is pivotal to, um, to making sure that the people get the right treatment and have trust in us. Great to hear, you know, the amount of doctors here in Central Australia mm. that are Aboriginal. Do, do you think there's a great interest there amongst the mob to, to get involved in health? Look, I think it will grow. With everything... Success breeds interests. There always has to be a few people that get involved first and then when they succeed, which I'm sure they will because they look like a really good group, that will build the confidence to interact in that space along with the nursing workforce, um, along with the Aboriginal health um, workforce. And I think it's also important that we learn walking beside our Aboriginal workforce to actually ensure that we're working in a way that helps them to to work and to be valued and to be able to be heard because it's really important and for us to learn from them in how we can be better doctors for Aboriginal people and better nursing staff for Aboriginal people. It will always need both groups working together, but the more interaction, the stronger we'll get. From working over here in Central Australia for over a decade, what have you learnt from the patients? I've learnt so much, but one of the really important things that I've learnt is that often the patients are coming in many times with the same sickness and each time they're actually getting worse. And what that's taught me is that there's a big gap between hospital and the home and also there is a real importance in patients actually understanding what is wrong with them and us working together to negotiate how they're going to stay well so that they don't get sick again. Because unfortunately, once you get sick enough to be in intensive care, it's much harder to get better. So it'd be better for them to not come into intensive care in the first place. And that's led to some research that we've done on people who are presenting multiple times into the hospital and looking at um, whether someone who's almost a caseworker can actually help look at them in particular to help them negotiate that that transition between um, hospital and home. And and some of that work um, we're hoping will tell us how how do we prevent people from getting sick again. 
Congratulations, R and Order. You were recently recognised yeah. during uh, the Queen's birthday honour list. Mm. What was that like for you? What, what was your initial reaction when you found out? I was absolutely delighted. My first reaction was of, of absolute pleasure. My second reaction was, well, there's so many people that deserve this this award and there's so many people that have helped me get to the place I have and so many people have been under-recognised in, in helping me get to that place and, and for all of them I feel it's an award for all of us. And my third response was really, you know, this is an enormous opportunity to promote the idea of rural intensive cares, that it is really important that we have intensive care in rural areas that help stabilise a hospital, look after the sickest patients so that the rest of the hospital can get on and do their, their work. And the importance of Aboriginal education and Indigenous health and the importance of working together to create a Aboriginal health workforce.